Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Women Who Code produces an average of four free technical events every single day throughout the year. We've given away over $500,000 in scholarships and over $500,000 in conference tickets this year. This show features conversations between diverse technology professionals discussing women in the industry, cutting edge innovations, the future of work, deeply technical topics, and the ways that we can all work together to make the world a more inclusive place. Welcome to Women Who Code Conversations. I'm Michelle Opont, Director of Development at Women Who Code. Today, I'm here with two wonderful women, Elena Percival, CEO and co-founder of Women Who Code, and Cindy Welfare, Chief Development Officer at Women Who Code. Welcome. I'm excited for our conversation today. I'm excited as well. Thank you for the introduction, Michelle. Awesome. In today's episodes, we are excited to talk about the importance of philanthropy and how it empowers our mission at Women Who Code. Women Who Code is a nonprofit organization that provides free resources, programming, and community to our 360,000 members globally and over 147 countries to empower diverse women to excel in their tech careers. Let's start by learning a little bit more about Elena and Sandy. Elena, our fearless co-founder and CEO of Women Who Code, can you share with us today a little bit about your journey? Thank you, Michelle. Um, so I, uh, Trans I moved out to the Bay Area and I was transitioning into the tech industry. And I'd had a really strong career up until that point, more in a traditional industry. And I got out to the Bay Area. I was so excited to enter the tech industry and kind of got this like, oh, you're not from, you know, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, you know, who who are you? And so I started to learn to code and, um, you know, as a way to transition my skills, just get more involved in the tech industry. And what I found is I just really fell in love with spending time with smart women talking about and learning about technology. And we were in the tech industry I realized that, you know, this this growing community was actually something really important because around the time Women Who Code was getting started, this beautiful conversation in the media started showing up of we need to teach women to code, we need to teach girls to code, but we were in the industry and we were facing biases and people weren't talking about it. So I realized we weren't just... Uh, a secret community having a great time together, but we actually had an important message to share and we needed to be advocating for women in the industry alongside teach more girls and teach uh, more women to code. And so that's really where the, the mission around uh, empowering diverse women to excel in technology careers came about. And so in the early days, you know, I was actually producing one free technical event every single week for about three years. We were doing bigger events right around 2013 when the 501c3 nonprofit was established. Zasmin and I really started to dig into our expansion strategy because from the beginning, we believed in accessibility and we didn't want to have just a 
a Silicon Valley or San Francisco centric approach or even U.S. approach. We wanted it to reach um, diverse women all over the world and for them to have this incredible community supporting them to thrive in their careers. And so there was just this uh, amazing uptick early on where we were on an important mission. And when you look back, you know, now after it's been, you know, more than 10 years of doing this work, while day to day, it feels like there's so much more to do. But when you do look back, you see there are big changes that have taken place. You know, companies weren't putting out um, diversity inclusion reports when Women Who Code got started. You know, the chief diversity and inclusion officer role didn't really exist. Parental leaves were a pittance, you know, there's still opportunity for growth and improvement in all of these areas. But, you know, when you look back over this time, there's a lot of change that has taken place. And some of the most exciting things to me is that the people who were earliest in our community and in our core of, you know, you're on your career path, you're technical, but you're in a pivot point. They've stayed in their career and they're thriving. And so we have so many people in in our community now that are in these senior level roles. And so it's just really exciting to uh, look back and think about the individual impact that Women Who Code has had on our members' careers. Wow. Thank you so much, Elena. And now I would like to reintroduce our amazing Cindy Welfare as um, Chief Development Officer. And Cindy, can you tell us about your journey um, to Women Who Code? Happy to, Michelle, and thanks for having us today. So I'm Cindy Welfare, the new Chief Development Officer for Women Who Code, and my path has gone a different way from Elena. I started in technology by literally marrying technology to numbers. And so I was um, sent to Singapore to implement large-scale SAP project. And that was the first time where I was like, wow, this is going to be fantastic. And what we can do from a global perspective. And um, from there, I went from Singapore to Sydney, Australia, and uh, did another big uh, implementation. But this time, Oracle on the financial side. And so I've come into the convergence of tech space and finance totally by accident. And I think because I've come from that perspective, I've been able to learn how do other countries engage? How are other countries engaging women and keeping, making sure that women are um, at the table? And so as I looked around and saw that I was mostly the only person sitting there and having conversations with leadership, not that that started my, you know, uh, advocacy for women, but that definitely gave me a new, you know, banner to hold. And so from there, I've um, gone down the path of uh, coming into the nonprofit arena. I ran the um, Women in Technology organization in the state of Georgia, and then went back to corporate. And then during that period of time, had a conversation with Elena, and we ended up connecting, and I joined the board. And so I've had a different view of women who code because I've been uh, on the outside kind of looking in. Uh, but now that I'm here, it's really uh, joining uh, six months ago as the CDO has given me a newfound appreciation for how much work we do globally, but then more importantly, how much reach we could have if we're able to find ways to connect partners to what I consider the business imperative. We don't want this to be the one time that someone is engaging with us, we want it to be where they're supporting 
equity and they're doing everything they can as a part of their business initiative to engage women code and other organizations that can champion women and bring more women into tech. Thank you so much, Sandy. Um, that being said, um, cultivating a culture of philanthropy here at Women Who Code is very important, which lead me to this question. Um, Elena and Cindy's vision for, what is your vision for a culture of philanthropy at Women Who Code? I can start with you, Elena. Oh, I'll, I would love for uh, Sandy to jump in on this one first. Sure. I'm, I'm happy to. So if we're looking at what would be the vision for engaging you know, every aspect of who uh, can support the organization, I probably, my vision would be everyone who's benefiting from the work that we do puts a stake in our success financially. And so my vision would be our team members, our employees, our partners, corporate sponsors, any and everyone who's bringing to the table the need for more women at the table or the need to have, you know, advanced women my vision would be for all of those who are having conversations around equity and equality, that they're going to participate in supporting our mission and vision. So by that support, that means that any individual can, that any company can. And so for me, because I'm tending to look at everything from a financial perspective and what can we do to ensure that the mission and vision is completely supported, I see all of those stakeholders having a true impact on our ability to provide more to more women in uh, the global community that we're in. So my vision is for all of those stakeholders to be actively engaged in ensuring our success financially. Yeah, and I completely agree with what uh, Sandy said, but just would add, I, I have a vision uh, for our partners to really be investing in us because they believe in the value of having an inclusive workforce, an inclusive technology team, the people who are building their products, that uh, their customers uh, who are are using their products are being built by you know a, a diverse team. And I don't think that happens overnight. It really takes in investing in your practices and your policies. So I really want companies to invest in us and invest in themselves over the long term and invest in that idea of, of building a workforce where diverse individuals thrive inside of their companies and that we we see them um, being promoted and making it to the most senior positions and staying inside of their organizations and loving their organizations. And that really takes a, a commitment. And we're doing um, the hard work in the community and we need that partnership from those organizations that are, are committed to seeing uh, that true change take place. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, so hearing from the last statement of Elena, it is very important for us here at Women Who Code to create a, a to creating a value through community and partnership. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure anyone that is a, attached to Women Who Code is an ally. So since Women Who Code start the world and the tech industry has changed a lot, how has Women Who Code evolved to continue supporting its members? Can you give us an example? I will start with you, Sandy. Well, I would say that we're probably following um, the needs of our membership 
And, you know, the conversations we've had over the last few months, you know, artificial intelligence, cyber, uh, most of the initiatives that we will be planning for for the future from a strategic perspective will be around what are our members expecting and how will they engage. So I would see it as, you know, the continuation for Python, front end, all the other software and apps that people would want to stay actively engaged in. But I would also say that we're probably going to speak about a technology that none of us have heard of in five years because it's moving so quickly. Um, I would say innovation will continue to flow and people will use that technology in different ways. I was reading the story of a 17-year-old who's out of Chicago, absolutely impressed with what she's done with blockchain to uh, use blockchain as an identification for women in parts of Africa. And I would have never thought of that as an innovative solution, but here we are. So I think that the things that we're going to see in the future, five years from now, may not look like what we're talking about today, or it'll be slightly morphed. But I would say that the innovation will continue to go just as this 17-year-old has found a way to use blockchain in a way that I don't think anyone had ever intended for it to be used. Elena? Yeah. And I'm just really looking back and it has felt as Women Who Code has grown over the years, like almost an entirely new organization every couple of years. And we're adapting to what our community needs and what the market throws at us. And we've had some pretty serious things thrown our, our way. And, you know, in the, the earliest time, it was, you know, just being part of this incredible uh, movement and zeitgeist of really supporting, you know, the idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging being important in the workforce, in the tech industry. And then, you know, things came our way, like, you know, COVID, where we went from doing nearly 2,000 in-person events per year to needing to entirely retrain our, our volunteers, adjust our programming to being able to address our community. But what we found through that is something even bigger is it meant that you didn't have to be in a specific location and available in that moment to be able to attend our in-person events. It meant that you could join in from all over the world. And we were able to have recordings and have that turn into on-demand content. So it meant that we went from serving members in about 27 countries to 147 countries in about a nine month period. And so we saw incredible growth through the challenges that we faced and we continue to rise, but we need support from our partners and from our community to be able to continue meeting the challenges that we face and continue serving our members in the way that they need us most. Thank you. On my end, dealing with um, partners, it's a crucial part of our business, right? Here at Women Who Code, a global nonprofit organization with a huge platform, I'm talking about social media, I'm talking about in the map, looking at the map without the amount of countries that we do represent, we do create relationship and allyship with organization that are very close to the story and the mission and the vision and the values that we stand for here at Women Who Code. So that led me to this question for you, Sandy. Can you speak about your experience aligning sponsors, partners, and donors with Women Who Code's mission? 
Absolutely. Um, over the years, I think it has uh, yet again morphed into different things. And so if I think about the, you know, my original time with um, women in technology, it was really around having programming that women could attend and having, you know, them having access. And so now I think that it's more um, from a partnership perspective, what are they really looking for? Um, they're wanting their women to be supported. They're wanting their recruiters to be, you know, using our job board. They're wanting the DEI um, leadership to find ways to make that a part of their business imperative. And so we may be on someone's someone's actual uh, DEI strategy as how do we engage our, you know, allyship for women, men, other intersections of uh, the various ERGs that a company may have. So I think companies are coming to women who code for different reasons, but I think that we've now found multiple ways that we can connect. And um, the great thing is there's no limit to, you know, what they can do or, or not do. But I love the fact that we're doing more around advancement and companies are seeing that rather than try to recruit every single year for new women, um, what can we do to retain those women and our content can be valuable for that retention. So whether you want to upskill or whether you want to find new ways to connect to, to new technology, we're giving them multiple ways that they can be actively involved, engaged. And so from my perspective, I feel as if we've helped companies figure out sort of supporting our mission supports their DEI strategy and other aspects of their business strategy. So when we come to the alignment of partnerships, I think that it's a win-win for both sides. What are your thoughts, Elena? I mean, the fastest and easiest way to create greater equality in the tech industry is by retaining the incredible talent that's here today. So you're absolutely right. Um, we can help every single individual overcome bias, but we really need to see the change inside of organizations and really think of what has been in place as something that has the opportunity to change and improve and be innovative on. And technologists in the tech industry is incredibly innovative. And so really taking the time and really putting the, the resources around equity-centered decision-making to make sure that your incredible talent stays with you and thrives inside of your organization isn't just right for the individual. It makes sense for the for the company. The idea of losing that individual is going to have a, a replacement cost of nearly $200,000 for replacing that engineer. And when you think about, you know, 50% of your most talented diverse women technologists are, are thinking about leaving their technology roles right now. It's just in, incredibly important to be spending time thinking about this and investing in, in that talent to stay and thrive inside of your organization. Thank you so much, um, ladies. Now, as we talked about allies, we talked about partnerships, I want to gravitate towards community building and how important that is. Um, we know helping our community is very important for each and every one of us as we grow as a person and to better understand how 
um, we best fit into the world around us. So that brings me to this question for you, Elena. Can you talk um, about your background as a technologist a little bit? So, you know, my technologist journey really began mid-career as I transitioned in a non-traditional way, learning to code, building side projects, and really spending time within the Women Who Code community and growing personally there as well. And so it was just this moment in time where, you know, the media was only talking about a handful of women and technologists. And, you know, if you looked at conferences, you know, there might be no women speaking at, at major tech conferences. And so what was clear was every industry was becoming a technology industry. And there was a huge opportunity there for women to thrive and to make it to those most senior positions. And I was, you know, part of this movement, you know, as Women Who Code was growing and seeing all these brilliant individuals who were building the technologies that we were using. And I thought they need to be the ones on the stage. They need to be the thought leaders. They need to be the ones getting quoted in, in news articles and, you know, receiving awards and accolades. And, and most importantly, getting the leadership positions that would be, you know, being role models for, you know, people in the industry and people who are joining in the industry in the future. And so that's really what, you know, stood out to me the most around the journey. And I was very intimidated kind of to step up for that, that CEO role with women who code coming from an alternative pathway. But in the end, I, I said to myself, you know, Elena, if, if you do it, we will take so many people with us. And we have absolutely done that. Thank you so much, Elena. Continue with the same realm of community. Community also connect us with people and ideas that will positively impact our perspective for the rest of our lives, right? Um, so that being said, Sandy, can you elaborate or speak a little bit about the importance of giving back for career growth, networking, and community building? happy to. Over the years, I've figured out that the majority of the women who have come before me have uh, not only uh, knocked out, you know, several, you know, big boulders in my way, they have pretty much ground them down and made it a flat surface. And so if I think about the community that we're building um, with Women Who Code, we're wanting all of those ones who've come past, you know, gone down the various paths and cleared the pathway to, to be understanding that they're building that path for the next generation of female technologists who they may never meet. And so if we look at community and the need for us to uh, be actively engaged and, and stay actively engaged because at different levels, um, you're, you know, if you're a 20 year old, you're probably wanting to, um, you know, look at what, what is the value that I'm going to gain from the content that I can get from Women Code. Um, you know, between 30 and 40, you're going to build your career. So you're going to be figuring out what else do I need to learn to get to the C-suite. Depending on where you are on that journey, uh, many of us need that community to not only, you know, build the path, but help us to uh, figure out where the landmines might be. And so um, from my perspective, the more we're able to support an organization like Women Who Code, the more we're able to build for that next generation of female technologists. So some of the work that we're doing today may not 
we, we may not see the end result of it for 10 years or 20 years or whatever the case may be because someone is just beginning their career. So I think that the community of women and the ability for us to support each other along the way, time, talent, treasure, that's always going to be the factors that I find um, that I, I measure my own success on is I'm investing in organizations that I know are going to make a difference for the next generation of female technologists. So hence the reason why I'm a huge supporter of women who code and more importantly want uh, not only the community to, to uh, support the organization um, in terms of the community of women that we you know are actively engaged with, but for their communities as well, whether family, friends, companies, all of them to be um, big supporters for the organization. So I see it as um, a spider web where we're right in the middle and we're basically building out and making sure that as we build out, we make it smoother and, and better for the next generation of female technologists. Wow, very powerful. We talked about allyship, we talked about community, we talked about the importance of being part of this um, movement like Elena mentioned earlier, that we are doing here at Women Who Code, and which lead me to um, how important is it really to invest in Women Who Code? So um, let's talk a little bit about what are the benefits in investing in Women Who Code? I will start with you, Elena. So all of our programming is free or scholarship accessible. And so investing in women who code is incredibly important for us to be able to not only produce our programs, but there's over 7 million diverse women, tech, women technologists in the world. So we've only scratched the surface of what our potential is. So we need people paying it forward so that we're able to reach more individuals and help them thrive in their career and truly change the face of leadership and technology. Thank you so much. I, Sandy, would you like to add anything? I would love to. So my thought is, you know, just looking at how can we build on, and of course, I'm always looking at it from the side of the financial connection that companies can make. For me, the benefits for anyone who's actively engaged in women who code is going to uh, be based on um, how are they engaging? So from a partner perspective, I would want the benefits to be that I'm meeting uh, my company's uh, business imperative. I'm making sure that women are gaining access to information for equality and equity. From a you know member perspective, I'm going to be the person who's going to not only participate in that content, but I'm also going to then support that content and making sure that the funding is there for us to continue. So I think that the benefits across the board, um, whether, uh, as, as Alina pointed out, you have very specific things that we are delivering to individuals. We're also um, very specific about the things that we're delivering to organizations and the companies and the industries, because really, um, as I shared before, it's a win-win scenario in terms of what individuals are gaining, and then what the companies are benefiting from as well. Thank you so much, Sandy. Wow, wow, wow. Sandy and Elena, thank you so much um, for all those amazing um, information that you are you have shared with us. So I would like to close with this question. Um, why do you think it's important to donate to Women Who Code on Giving Tuesday? Elena, I'll start with you. Women Who Code 
produces an average of four free technical events every single day throughout the year. We've given away over $500,000 in scholarships and over $500,000 in conference tickets this year. We've also led life-changing leadership programming, and we could not do that without our donors. So please give to Women Who Code this Giving Tuesday. And I would ask everyone to uh, give to Women Who Code because we are truly building an infrastructure for women to not only upskill, but to advance and find ways that they can connect with a community that is going to support them from a leadership perspective or even support you know, them taking a different path. So regardless of um, which path you're on, the support that's coming from individuals, companies, partners, it's all providing the resources we need to fund the organization. So please give on Giving Tuesday and more importantly, support the organization with your time, talent, and treasure. Thank you. Thank you so much to the both of you. I would like to close by saying, be part of the Women Who Code mission to transform lives and communities by making tech a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive space for women and underserved technologists. Join us on Giving Tuesday on November 28th to empower diverse women to excel in technology careers. Give now at the link below on the screen or text Giving Tuesday 2023 to 844-844-6844. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.